If you're going so fast that you can't look at that, then you're outpacing your situational awareness. And if anybody spends any time in the line of duty deaths or close calls, situational awareness and command and control are always up in the top. Enchanted Sky Media. Media. From the Federal Resources Studio, this is Code 3, the Firefighters Podcast, hosted by award-winning journalist Scott Orr. Code 3 features interviews with leading members of the fire service, discussing firefighting strategy, tactics, and other topics you need to know more about. Now, here's Scott. That's right, and I will not let Parkinson stop me. Thank you for joining me again here on Code 3. This is the show for and about firefighters. We're informing and entertaining members of the fire service, just like you, from coast to coast. Today we're taking a look at the culture of your fire department. We've been talking over the past few weeks on this show about whether firefighters have become too risk-averse. But there are also some departments with cultures that condone overly risky behavior. You won't find it in the SOPs or the SOGs. Culture is an unwritten understanding of what firefighters are expected to do. Here's an example. Remember when Captain Pete Dern of the Fresno Fire Department fell through that roof? He was critically injured and it took him a long time to recover. The report written on that incident laid partial blame on the culture of the department. It said, quote, Culture dominates the daily operations above established department policies and procedures. End quote. There have been several line-of-duty deaths determined to have resulted from this sort of attitude. So how do we balance safety with being aggressive firefighters? My guest to discuss this is J. Travis Caracato. Travis has been in the fire service for over 25 years. He's currently an operations division chief with the Columbia, South Carolina Fire Department. He served as a member of South Carolina Task Force 1 for over nine years, promoting the task force leader. Travis is also the founding owner of EMED Training Services, which specializes in emergency response training for the industrial sector. And Travis Caracato joins me now. Welcome to Code 3. Thank you very much, Scott. I'm uh, pleased to be here. You've got an amazing lineup over the last several weeks, so I'm humbled just to get this message out to uh, my brothers and sisters in the fire service. Well, I'm glad to have you. So let's start with the beginning. What makes some departments' cultures safer than others? Well, I think the S word causes a lot of people to to go in a shutdown mode, and that's the safety word. And I think one of the things is we, we've got to have a measured response. And I think that culture is that, you know, I'm I'm all for an aggressive interior attack. I'm all for vertical ventilation. And the one thing that I always let my firefighters on the ground know is it's got to be a measured response. It's got to, the conditions have to allow it, whether it's a front yard or whether it's in inside going and getting, getting at it. 
It's your culture's got to understand that 100% of fires are going to be put out by the fire department. Whether you're on the inside when it comes down or when, when you're on the outside, your culture allows you to understand that sometimes buildings are built to burn. In the great words of uh, Chief Brunacini, some of those are built to burn. And so your culture has to realize that. And sometimes we have that innate ability of not letting the building win or the incident win. And so that's where I think the culture can kind of come in to say, you know what, it's okay to pump the brakes on this fire because the conditions do not allow us to go inside. Does culture trump SOPs and SOGs in the real world? It's one of those things. I think uh, one of I think strong leadership is is so important that uh, culture has a way. It's almost like the informal the informal leaders in an department can push members beyond the uh, the SOGs. And and what I would say is that uh, if you get into a certain certain clique of aggressive guys that want to get on the roof and cut every single fire, every single roof, every time they go to a fire, whether it's a one-story, two-story, whether it's a basement, and they want to get on the roof when it's, a, when it's a basement fire with no smoker fire presenting on the first floor, that's the culture that I'm talking about. Is It's just like regardless of conditions, they're going to do X, Y, and Z. I'm an instructor as well, and what I want to tell tell my students often is that firefighting is an algebraic equation. It's not a math problem. It's not a subtraction problem. It's an algebraic equation where you've got to look at a set set of conditions, you've got a set set of problems, and then a measured response, and then you can get a set set of outcomes. And so when you look at it that way, and you can sit there and say, okay, if we're going to argue about whether you go inside or outside, let's talk about the fire first. What set of conditions, what type of building, what type of configuration? And then you can say, yes, you can always go here, or no, you can't go there. And I think that's where culture comes in. They're un- Some of the guys, I think, that even that I work with are unwilling to recognize that. Now, we've all heard the slogan that practice makes perfect, but that only works if you practice the right way. What role does training play in affecting culture? Oh, tremendous. Uh, Now, what I would say is training the right way, because when you get into the the training environment, if if you're training incorrectly on just certain tactics and um, yeah, uh, Chief John Tippett just sent something out the other day talking about some different tactics on, on uh, Twitter, and I just responded back to him that we've got to be like ventilation technicians or fire tech technicians. And if you really think, you know, taking the hazmat realm into that or the rescue realm into that, that they are hose line technicians. They've got to be proficient. Never remove any, you know, uh, there there is a, a mindset out there that you can't use a fan on the fire ground. And my thing is if I have a ventilation technician with a coordinated fire tech, we can do just about anything as long as it's coordinated, whether it's communicated, and then go and get it very aggressively. But all options have to be on the table instead of just, you know, minimizing that. Technicians don't minimize any of their tools that they use. They maximize all of them, and they evaluate the best way to do that. And that's one of those cultural shifts to sit there and say, sometimes we have to have a measured response, even when we don't want to, but we know what it's best. But we got to educate ourselves on what those are. How much of a role does it play when you have a department that has the attitude that we have special situations that the national standards don't address? You know, that's uh, I'm a big fan of uh, mutual aid agreements, automatic aid agreements. Uh, Right now we're going through in in Columbia, uh, reaching out to our uh, federal partners at Fort Jackson Fire Department, Irmo Fire Department. So we have reached out, and that helps. 
with those departments. And I, and I completely understand. I started off as a volunteer firefighter. Um, and they basically, you know, we had 10 guys. If some of them were at work, you know, we had a very small department, very small response. And, you know, and I think you have to look at it because firefighting is about resources. It's about water. It's about deployment. So, and then, you know, obviously it's about the citizen ultimately. And, uh, you know, those are the types of things that you've got to address beforehand going back to your training question. Um, because if you don't have the resources, how can you overcommit um, in some of those aspects? And uh, that's, a, that's, a tough pl- that's a tough place to be in. How dangerous can a department's culture be? Is this something that everyone buys into? And if so, is that even more dangerous? Yeah, I don't think anybody wakes up in the morning buying into a dangerous culture. I think what they do is uh, people get into a habit of not speaking up. Like, man, that was a that was a really close call. You know, maybe we shouldn't have done that. Maybe we shouldn't have split when we were searching. You know, there there are a bunch of dominoes. So, you know, one of those things is if you take um, if you take the dominoes, and I'll go back to what Columbia Fire Department went through. We we were educated on on dominoes of roadway safety and we had a culture we were just ignorant about roadway safety we didn't understand the hazards and and i i use that incident because uh it was a very tragic loss of a 23 year old firefighter and then we were educated somebody we didn't know came in and told us how we messed up and that is a that's a punch to the gut when you sit there and you look at guys that are broken after thinking that they did everything right and somebody we don't know comes in and tells us how to do it better that's a punch in the gut so that that's one of the things uh, we just listened to Chief Hood. He actually was from San Antonio Fire Department. He came to Columbia, South Carolina, for our fire conference. And I will tell you, um, he would he talked a very good keynote speech for our for our conference, and it was very very powerful because they just lost firefighter got Dean in the San Antonio Fire Department. And I think if anybody would truly just understand, yeah, we don't have a we don't have a rash of firefighter fatalities. But we do have a lot of uh, near misses that we can learn from to say, okay, let's take this moment and learn from it. And I don't think that's a bad thing. And I will tell you one thing. I don't want any of our firefighters being bubble wrapped. Paul Combs did a great thing about uh, bubble wrapping a firefighter in one of his art pieces. And I think I always tell my guys, bubble wrap is flammable, so don't wear it into a fire seat. (laughs) How did you guys react to being told that they had made a mistake or made several mistakes? Fortunately, many many of the guys em- embraced the the fact on how we could operate, but we we had a few holdouts to sit there and say it w- it's going to delay patient care if we set up cones and we if we set up signs and if we get a second we 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 have to set up a safe work zone. Overall, most of them most of them embraced it, but it was it was very difficult for several of the guys, and I don't think it wasn't anything personal. It was just you know I think the 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 pain of losing. A, a fellow brother in the fire service is just, uh, it's something you, you can't, you can't imagine if you've never been through it. And, uh, then to recognize that if we'd have done something different, if we were educated on it ahead of time and done something different, we could have, you know, made a difference. And I, I think that's what this whole message is about, you know, for me is, is, hey, roadway, it's, it's, it's dangerous, but you can make it safer. The fire ground, it's inherently dangerous. We're going to lose firefighters. But I think if we can stop them from on overly risky behaviors, uh, those are the things that we're talking about that have already been in line of duty reports. 
you know, there are some, some crazy things that happen out there on the fire scene, but at the ones that we could recognize it, Gordon Graham in his, in his weekly address says, prevent the mayday. And that's really what I'm pushing on uh, through these reports, prevent it before it happens. I'll be back with more right after this. When that call comes in and you rush to head out, the last thing you're thinking about is your safety. But your safety is all Federal Resources thinks about. At Federal Resources, we work to make sure that every responder is equipped, trained, and ready to come home safely. You look out for everyone else. Let us look out for you. Learn more at federalresources.com. Now, this one may be kind of a hard question. How much do you think that this sort of cultural problem is caused by firefighters who, even if they won't admit it out loud, want to be the hero and rush right in without preparing properly? <laughs> uh, that is, that's not a hard question. And I, and I think, you know what, this is where strong leadership comes in. Sometimes when you step up and lead, I have a duty to the citizen. I have a duty to the families of the firefighters. And I've stepped up, you know, Scott, I've stepped on some toes over my last couple of years. And uh, I've lost some friendships over the fact that we don't see eye to eye on, on, on these things. But it's my job to bring them home and to make sure that they're ready for the next fire. I think one of our ex-training chief that uh, just left the Columbia Fire Department, he, he's, he uh, one time he said, we don't have a duty to die. And, and that's the one thing we want to do is, is if we can keep that and educate ourselves on how to behave with the conditions. I think everything is permissible if the conditions allow. But the problem is, is the, the lack of, I guess, the lack of training in some departments, uh, they, the lack of experience. They don't know what they're looking at. You know, they go to these high-speed classes, and they run two fires in their career, and they don't know how to apply that. that that's what we're talking about. Uh, those are good tactics if the resources and the conditions allow, but it can't be applied into a, a little department like you're talking about with two guys that are responding on a truck, you know, with no backup. Those are some, some things that they've got to be careful of because the conditions and the resources and the, the configuration of the scene don't really allow it. It sounds like some firefighters have blinders on and they approach most scenes the same way as if that's typical. Is that a way that they get into trouble? Uh, basically, I make an analogy to a, um, to, a, to a speeding driver, and I'll give you an analogy. So imagine you've got an IndyCar driver. He is professional. He is, he is well-educated, well-trained on that vehicle, and that vehicle is primed, and it is, is completely calibrated for the course that it's on. You take that IndyCar, that IndyCar, that driver, and you put him in the streets of Chicago, and you've just gone from a professional to a reckless driver. And the only thing that's changed are the conditions. You took him from where he is supposed to operate in his prime, put him in a different set of conditions, a different fire ground situation, and now he's gone from that professional into that reckless driver. And that's what I want my firefighters to understand, that when the conditions change, sometimes your performance, your speed to, to observe, you've got, you can't outpace your, your observations. And I know uh, fire, engineering, fire engineering did a great job of where's the fire, where's it going, how long you, till it gets there. If you're going so fast that you can't look at that, then, then you're outpacing your smarts, you're outpacing your situational awareness. And if anybody spends any time 
in the line of duty deaths or close calls, situational awareness and command and control are always up in the top. And then there's a whole slew of other ones, but the command and control and that situational awareness is really, really vital, and you can't outpace that. How do we fix this problem? Is it is the answer more better training, or is it better command staff decisions, or what is it? I, I agree with a lot of my professional counterparts. I I don't th- I I wouldn't say it's an epidemic. I would say I think it's just some of the leaders in the fire service, chiefs and captains and officers, when they see it. I think they've just got to, they've got to realize they've got to, they've got to speak up. And, and I know a lot of, you know, that the, the line of duty deaths inside structure fires are coming down, but still our neighboring state in Georgia, we just had a, a several firefighters go to the burn center. Those are the types of things that, you know, making sure did someone on that scene say, man, we shouldn't be doing that, this, and then having the courage to step up. And, you know, everyone goes home, it says, or actually at the, um, in the Texas Lod report on Firefighter Dean, it says there's a, it takes a different type of courage for somebody to step up and speak up. And that's one of the things that I just want to encourage people is to say, you know, those are the, that's okay. You know, in the, in the military, you know, a lot of pilots, they come back and they talk about what they did because, you know, they, they can get better with it. And the Columbia Fire Department has done very well with hot washes. Hey, we should have done this. We should have done that. You know, whether we have a close call, a mayday, whatever we have, we, every single fire, we do a hot wash and, and we're, and it's helped us repeat the good, prevent the bad. But it, when we sit there and say, prevent the bad, you got to realize that mis- mistakes or different decisions could be made. But now we have a culture that is pushing people to speak up. And sometimes people don't agree. And, and, you know, that's what makes us professional. And sometimes the chief has to be the guy that steps on toes to say, hey, this is the way it needs to be. I think this may be harder than it seems, at least partially because of social media, because these days we're being told that firefighters aren't aggressive enough, that they're not making enough effort, and it's a fine line between being aggressive enough and being stupid, frankly. So I think the problem that we end up with is that unless you're an officer or the senior man, you may not want to speak up because you may be afraid of being yeah. accused of being a wimp. Yeah, I, I would say that that's probably in some of it. But if, the, if, if crews are out there training like they're supposed to be, I, I think if they're spending that time before the incident and having their proficiency down, and they, they have their expectations through standard operating guidelines, standard operating procedures. And then remember that firefighters are a battle group. And, you know, sometimes it's peer-to-peer. It's group-to-group that has to stand up as well. Uh, if, they're, if they're doing that, they can get aggressive. You know, one of the closing things that I want to say is aggressive firefighting keeps us safe. And that just, just because you have a measured response in there doesn't mean you can't be aggressive. Um, and I tell my guys right now, you know, when I come on scene, the first two engineer or the first two captain or the first two chauffeur has already set the mode of operation, whether it's defensive operation, uh, defensive, offensive, or transitional if we have to. If he's by himself in the county, we don't have the resources to do an interior attack because we're an OSHA state. So we've got to have people out based on that. We don't get a rescue exemption unless we have a known person in there and that's one thing that binds us a little bit but if you can you can get aggressive but the thing is it takes training and execution and i I like a lot of that training stuff about uh being proficient in your job to make sure that you can stay aggressive but also you've got to know what you're looking at 
And I think that's where we're, we're missing it is when do we get this way? Because if you say always, that's a bad thing because it can't be always because I can show you a picture right now that this is it. And somebody would come back and say, well, that's not what I'm talking about. Well, when you're as, a, as an instructor or on social media saying always, that's what the message is being portrayed at is the stem to stern fire coming out of every window. Well, this isn't the always I'm talking about. Well, then you can't say always. All right, Travis Caracato, thanks for talking with us today. Well, Scott, thank you so much, and, and I, I'm very humbled being in the great group that you've got in, and um, I'm a fan of your show. Thank you very much for giving me the opportunity to get this message of culture and the fire service out. Uh, I look to hear, uh, look forward to hearing more from your show. And we put some more information about firefighter culture and EMED training services on our website at code3podcast.com slash culture. Check it out. Now, here comes your trivia question. We all know water hammers are a dangerous thing. What pressure increase can be expected in the hose line from a water hammer? I'll have the answer right after this. If you like Code 3, you'll love the Code 3 Bull Session. It's more discussion with our guests on any topic. Sometimes it's serious. Sometimes it's not so serious. But it's only available to patrons of Code 3. Find out what you've been missing. Go to Code3Podcast.com slash support. Pledge just $10 a month to support Code 3, and you'll get immediate access to all the Bull Sessions in our library and future interviews as we post them. Become a patron today, support the show, and get access to the Code 3 Bull Sessions. And I'd like to thank Blaine Donovan for his pledge. You can join Blaine. Just go to Code3Podcast.com and click on the support button. Now, here's your trivia answer. A water hammer can increase pressure in a line up to six times, which is why they sometimes blow out lines. All right, that's it. That's all for this edition of Code 3. Hey, I'd love to hear what you think of the show. Just email me, scott at code3podcast.com. Thank you for listening. I'll be back next time with more. I hope you'll join me then. I'm Scott Orrin. Until then, I'll see you later. Code 3 is made possible through the generous support of Federal Resources. Visit them at federalresources.com. This show is a production of Enchanted Sky Media. To contact us, get more information on today's show, or to subscribe to the podcast, go to code3podcast.com.